Yeah. It is a bummer to cut off the song. We're live now. <laughs> but uh, it's 2.30. I got to time the song better, the, the amount of time. <laughs> so welcome to the Pelecast, Daniel. Yeah. Hey, th- thanks for having me, Jordan. Appreciate yeah. it. Excited to be here. Uh, excited to be part of the team and, uh, you know, just very passionate about uh, blockchain. So Daniel and I met, I guess, through Upwork because I was trying to find some legal help, legal counsel, and draft up the typical documents for doing some kind of platform with users logging in and potential tokens going on. And uh, we, we hit it off in the sense that he loves NFTs and he loves blockchain and you're an entrepreneur in the space and mm-hmm. you really believe in the decentralized revolution that can come out of all this. Is that correct? Yeah, no, uh, that's that's perfectly well said. Uh, and and uh, no, I mean that's it. Like I, I come from it from from a few different places. Uh, you know, uh, my passion is in this in blockchain and in this space um, and the decentralized revolution. And that's really what it is. Is um, and I'm sure that's what we'll get into. Is like it it is changing a lot of different landscapes, um, which does bleed into you know, my professional side as an attorney, um, you know, just seeing the possibilities of blockchain, blockchain technology, um, kind of the ethos of, of blockchain and decentralization and, and really how that can uh, help propel entrepreneurs, early stage companies, even established companies kind of revolutionize and, and change what they're doing, not just for the sake of change, but but for efficiency's sake, for transparency's sake, um, for you know getting your message across, you know without censorship. Uh, those types of things are important going forward, and I think you know uh, that's especially the younger generation seems to value that kind of more than some of the older institutions. Um, so it, for me, this has just been a perfect blend of, you know, my personal passions with trying to advance um, my career and, and my business. And as an entrepreneur, you know, kind of seeing that there's there's a gap in the market for, for people who want to work in this space, but need legal help and need legal services uh, to kind of get them there. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of a perfect storm for me. Right, cool. Yeah, I feel the same way in some in in various aspects, and I feel like many yeah. people feel very similar because there's there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of ways to participate. Mm-hmm. And even yeah. no, go on. Uh, I was just saying, even even me, I've been involved in this space for a long time, and I'm still learning about all the new ways it's disrupting every part of society parts of society I never really knew existed right or parts of the business world even just now this issue of us trying to get trying to get a token out there trying to be compliant about it all and realizing that the system as it is designed right now makes it really hard for the average person to be an investor right Uh, you effectively you know shutting off a whole a whole class of people from investing. Uh, that's how the old system works. 
But with blockchain right, and right. Bitcoin, anyone can make a micro investment and actually start to build wealth. Yeah, right. And, and I think that's why there is. So I think it's it's twofold. Like you have resistance from from the old school, from whether that be you know kind of the old trading companies like Goldman Sachs, whoever that might be, or the big law firms. Um, and then you have kind of just the unknown, the fact that um, the landscape is changing, that, you know, some of these jurisdictions are doing their best to keep up. And whether that's like a foreign jurisdiction like Singapore, that's kind of taken a different approach to regulation of tokens than we've seen uh, the Securities Exchange Commission do in the United States, uh, whether that's like... In, stuff we're working on with Wyoming uh, kind of being that state on the forefront domestically uh, to try to attract some of these entities to do business in their state, uh, whether that's, you know, creating that, that Dow entity that that's uh, attractive to, to a lot of entities. Um, so, I mean, I think there's a pull. So there, there is kind of this old school, like who doesn't want to advance the ball at all. And then you have, you know, even the ones who are breaking that trying to advance it, but struggling to because the technology is uh, changing and developing every day. Um, scalability is always going to be an issue. I mean, until it's not, but it, for the moment it is, it's, it's an issue. Um, adaptability, education, that, that type of thing. Um, so, I mean, it, it's certainly a challenge, but, um, you know, even with those forces kind of pulling at it, pulling and pulling at it, there, there's plenty of room, plenty of uh, opportunity in that space um, to, to really make a difference. And whether that difference is I want to launch a product that is going to revolutionize this industry, you know, be it entertainment or I want to get my art out there to collectors and have people you know, pay up the nose in, in ETH for it, or, you know, I want to revolutionize, um, you know, logistic companies and, and getting um, supplies to where they need to be using the blockchain technology. So, um, Plus, you know, I was listening to a, a really interesting conversation today, uh, a podcast with uh, what Bitcoin did with Eric Voorhees, a very recent episode, mm -hmm. highly recommend it. It, Eric Voorhees has a long history with the Bitcoin community. He started with Satoshi Dice. He invented Shapeshift. And now Shapeshift as a company is completely decentralizing and dissolving itself. So they, yeah. went, they went through a period of struggle where they had to do KYC. And that's against yeah. the whole ethos of not only Eric Voorhees, but of the Bitcoin you know, community. Sure. Right. And so that was really tough. And that wasn't really the vision of what they thought Shapeshift was. And so now they're with the Fox tokens, they've turned it into a fully decentralized DAO. And mm. so now there's, there's little things you got to slowly, like not every component is fully decentralized, fully decentralizable yet. For example, yeah. you can have a fully decentralized blockchain smart contract application, but that doesn't mean the front end interface on a website is, is immune from censorship because Amazon Web Services can shut down your hosting or the domain sure. registrar can you know mm -hmm. remove your .com name, but that's why we're getting new NFT registrars. So you know we have Pele Network .dao. That's yeah. a that's an unstoppable domain, as it's called. Yeah, right. 
so we'll be setting up our our DAO infrastructure yeah. there, which we can talk about it in a bit. But one thing that they were saying that's really interesting is now someone that wants to contribute to Shapeshift or to any DAO, really, we don't need to use Shapeshift as an example, but it's completely international, bypassing all existing, I don't even want to say laws and regulation, but just like rules that exist in some sense. They probably came about for good purpose to protect just like the SEC is trying to protect uh, American investors. And yeah. they, I, you know, I do believe most of them are really trying to do that. There's just a level of ignorance sure. about the technology. But then there's also like HR laws, as he called them, in France. So if someone mm -hmm. in Paris mm -hmm. wanted to work in, uh, with an American company, it'd be way too hard to hire that person. There's yeah. too, many, too much paperwork. There's too many restrictions that the French government has to allow yeah, for yeah. foreign companies to hire citizens. So that, mm -hmm. that citizen would actually be unable to take a job, whether it's an hour a week or 60 hours a week. But with a decentralized mm -hmm. autonomous organization, that person can be anywhere in the world except the work. Yeah. And no one has to worry about extra bureaucracy getting in the way. That's just one realm. I had no idea until today that would be revolutionized by, by this. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, I, and, and that's how I see it and kind of in my own practice. And it's funny because there's, you know, so I do primarily corporate law and that's what I've been practicing for, you know, coming up on, on a decade now, you know, primarily corporate law, a little bit of estate planning. Um, and, and that intersection of the legal world has occasionally brought me to, um, real property transactions and real estate closings, um, which I, I, I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of, uh, buying a piece of property or been through a closing, um, it takes forever and it there's takes forever. paperwork yeah. and it feels really it, unnecessary. Yeah. Paperwork takes forever and money tons of time, money, and effort. Um, and, and truthfully, what you're paying for is is trust, right? You're, you're paying because everyone trusts the title company. You're paying because everyone trusts the bank that's putting out the mortgage and, and they trust the the attorneys who are on either side uh, to, to consummate the deal. Fine. I mean, that's great. It, it gives me a source of revenue. It gives the title company a source of revenue. It gives the banks a source, a source of revenue. Um, it is completely outdated, uh, slow, inefficient, and, and ripe for mistakes. And, and whether that's innocent mistakes or, you know, all the way up to malicious intentions, you know, and, and, you know, you see it, I, I haven't seen it, but there are stories of, you know, titles being, um, you know, misplaced or, or not properly filed or recorded. Um, which just leads to headaches and certainly in um, the area of probate, if someone has passed away, I've seen it a few times professionally. Now, I, the, the real estate in this company, in, in this country, it, it, to call it an oil tanker would be an insult to oil tankers. I'm not saying like <laughs> we turn it around immediately, but all it takes is, is some adjustment to where the blockchain technology could revolutionize um, real estate transactions. And the only ones who would benefit are all of us as consumers. You know, the, the banks will find a way to make money a different way, um, but it shouldn't be, you know, they, they need a, a blood sample from you to to go through a, a, a real property transaction. Right, so, right. 
Um, you know, and I, I'm not, I'm not a coder. Uh, I don't write smart contracts. You know, I write legalese contracts. Uh, so I, I don't know the undertaking something like that would take, but it's there. The possibilities are there. And I think that is, again, you know, I think that's where the possibilities of blockchain technology can, can take the legal world. Um, and I think that's also just a prime example of why there's such resistance to it. Um, sure. Cause there's quite honestly a billion dollar industry that's built up on doing it the, the status quo way. So. Um, well, and it's the same thing with finance and De DeFi going on, you know, there's a whole bunch of industries that are propped up on not something that's just not necessary. Middleman ism. Right. Then, right? you know, okay. So the, from what I've uh, learned, the history of like money, for example, would be like, say you're in a little village, a medieval village, and uh, you make bread and I sell flour and they do, you know, harvest tomatoes, whatever. Uh, and you yeah. say, hey, I need some flour to make the bread and make my business for today. Here's a receipt. If you give me flour, you're, you can redeem these receipts for as much, you know, for this many loaves of bread. Right. So me right. and you would make those tickets and then eventually we make those tickets all around town to where yeah. I would be offering uh, what do I make the flour. So I'd be offering bread to someone else so I could get tomatoes. Right. So yeah. this would just be the natural evolution of, of humans and societies using money. But then what happened was the nobles, the wealthy were noticing that they weren't a part of this at all. So that's where coined, uh, I guess. Yeah. yeah, so that's where coin fiat comes in. They say you actually are not allowed to do any of that unless it's with our notes. So you have to come mm -hmm. through us to get our notes and then you can trade them amongst the people. So you could understand how it got this far. But now we have technology that can like we don't need to be told this uh, we're being protected uh, story now. And maybe one t time it was true. OK, well, let, let's there are a lot of scammers out there and people with malicious attentions. So. Sure. sure. It's not a whole nefarious plot to begin with. But now when we see it from our perspective today, where it's like, wait a minute, like there's so many issues we can take care of ourselves. And we have things like blockchain technologies to help verify that it's real, authentic, and that it's coming from a place of, yeah, genuity. Yeah. Genuity. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's it. I mean, like that's, you know, the, the fact that um, you know, there's that consensus mechanism to blockchain that, that nothing is happening without verification. You know, it's, it's funny because we say, oh, well, blockchain is a, it's a trustless system, right? Well, it is, right? They're, they're, you don't have to pay for that trust in that example that I just talked about. But you trust that the smart contract is, is coded the way it should be, that the nodes are verifying the way that the the, the they're supposed to that the code dictates they do um and that the bad actors and that the fraudulent transactions are weeded out um so in, in a way right it, there is no trust and it's all trust um so yeah i mean i i think on uh again like that just to say it's it challenges the status quo like it challenges their their pockets it challenges their money it, it challenges the billables and, and that's why you know, even, okay, so taking it to the corporate world, you know, why is a DAO attractive? So from from my point of view, working with 
a number, a variety of different types of corporate structures, whether that be, you know, your tried and true S corp uh, corporation, your limited liability companies, professional corporations, you know, up and down the list. Lots of different ways to, to organize an entity. The, the, the pressure points, the, the, the points of failure always come with the, the human interaction mm. and the deterioration of trust. It, it's the deterioration of one party's trust in another. And whether that's partners, um, you know, cooking the books or not performing what they're supposed <laughs> to do. Any, any entity I've seen get into internal strifes, it is, that is where it happens. It's not because the contracts are poorly written. It's not because the operating agreement isn't effective or the shareholders' rights uh, are, are running amok. It, it, it's because the, the board of directors are fighting. It's because someone's not showing up for the meeting and uh, because of that, you know, there's not a majority and they don't have a quorum. Um, so that's where, you know, I, I think the implement uh, using a doubt in the smart contracts and removing that human element uh, and not saying like, oh, leave it up for, for the algorithms to decide everything. That's like you talked about, there's, there's certain levels of decentralization at some point, there's going to be human input. Um, you know, I, I, that for certain endeavors, that, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. um, and I think especially for uh, collaborative efforts for, um, you know, people who want to make investments but may not have the traditional um, white collar source of funds to do so. There, there's a lot of advantages to getting involved in a DAO and, and getting one of these, you know, voting tokens, uh, getting a, a membership token um, and, and kind of trusting the system that way. Um, so it's kind and, of... And yeah. Sorry. If you, have, if you want to finish, go ahead. No, no. I mean, that's that's really, I mean, I think in from the legal side, I think it can be scary just, again, like human nature, people are scared of change. I, I wasn't around uh, whenever the LLC revolution happened, when, when jurisdictions started allowing LLCs. But I could imagine, you know, lawyers, some lawyers were strongly opposed to, to that, uh, you know, that they wanted to keep kind of the, the old ways. Um, what was the, so old, I, how was it before? I didn't realize there was, uh, an LLC revolution. Well, and I, I, I should be a little bit more before I, I speak on it. Yeah, okay. I, I'm not 100% up on the, the history of it. Other than I understand that for a while, for a long time, um, you know, in, in, in this country, corporations were, were one of pretty much the only form of business entities um that you could use uh and then there was kind of um, a rewrite of the tax code to allow for these pass-through entities where an llc essentially you know you're, you're taxed the members are taxed through on their personal uh income um which kind of opened the doors to more smaller business um, small companies exactly okay. okay less less uh formulas you know you don't have to um have annual meetings you don't have to have a board of directors you can just have a member you could have a manager if you wanted um but um and again like i i'm sure this was this was a long time ago 
well before I was even born. So it's it's uh, interesting because as we develop Pele, it's been really important that we keep it as community oriented as possible. And I mean, I call it, I call our basically we have a board right now. I call it a, we I call ourselves a DAO because it's you know it's cool. Uh, but essentially, essentially, that's just to keep the the spirit going. Like we're not trying to build something. We're not trying mm-hmm. to build a community that is dictated by a few people that think they know. Like really, from the ground up, we're trying to just take a vision and materialize it in this world. However, however, the people that want to be part of it can do it, right? Yeah, yeah. So I put in the description for this. Like I enjoy conversations like this because it helps helps me, it helps anyone following along kind of really explore what Pele Network could be. So I have this mm-hmm. idea of this media collective ecosystem. And the only way to do that is with a token, is with a DAO, mm-hmm. where everyone's incentivized to make this network better. And right. it, it creates it creates rewards, it creates, it creates reputation, it creates all these things that really can strengthen community and what's really cool, what's always been really cool for me about blockchain anything is how how strongly you can build a community around just oh, an man. idea. Just an idea. Yeah. Right. You give enough people tokens and enough people thinking they'll make money or whatever they're really thinking. I guess you're not allowed to sell it that way. But people are thinking that and then you enter the chat rooms and everyone's like, when moon, when moon. But it brings all these people together that otherwise would never be hanging out or talking together, you know, from all over the world. It's so true. I mean, this is kind of going on my fanboy side of it all. So, uh, you know, full disclosure, like so I'm, I'm big into NBA Top Shot, uh, which is. Uh, the NBA's version of NFTs, uh, and it's it's fully licensed. Uh, it's on the Flow blockchain. It's through Dapper Labs, who they've kind of been in the game for a few years. They've done some other at, uh, NFT products, I think, to, to varying levels of success. But um, and I'm sure you could tell from from my uh, backdrop, I'm a huge NBA fan, uh, lifelong Bulls fan. So. This product came out, uh, it's been out for about 18 months or so. Um, I think I got on it about, uh, I don't know, eight months ago or so. Anyways, the point of the matter is, is like, I've, I haven't invested a ton of it, but what I've gotten out of it is a ton of different connections um, in that community. Um, you know, other collectors, but it's really, it, it's almost like, I hate to use this phrase, but it's true. It's like kind of the gateway drug to other NFTs. <laughs> Uh, and other projects, um, you know, it's, it's a terrible euphemism, but, uh, but it's true. And, and from there, you know, I've kind of grown, grown out and I've educated myself and learned more be like, okay, well, what, what is an NFT? Like how, how is Ethereum more than just an ETH coin? Like what is the operating system? How do developers use this, um, to, like I said, you know, change, change all these different industries so um you know it is like it is a community it's um you know you you it's refreshing to find a lot of like-minded individuals coming different areas you know like you you know yourself like you're an artist you're a creator you you, kind of have that going on i'm i'm a straight you know lawyer kind of lineal uh very by the book that kind of stuff I, you know, I've met uh, comedians out in, in New York who are into this kind of stuff. 
um, doctors out in LA. So it's, um, it, it, it brings a lot of different people together. Um, uh, but interesting, like, I kind of wish I could get more of my IRL people in on it. Um, still find myself explaining a lot of, you know, what is, what is a Bitcoin? You know, where can I buy a Bitcoin? So, but mm-hmm. I find that, it, I find it interesting how many people that I wouldn't expect are already into NFTs or something. And like, just no one really brings it up out of nowhere. Uh, I remember back in the day, you know, I I was that Bitcoin guy, like during the bull run or whatever. And I realized that people don't really care all the time. And if they do, they're generally just kind of bitter that they didn't buy it earlier or something like that. But now now it's the case with NFTs that like, more people than you'd expect are really into it. You just wouldn't know unless you brought it up. <laughs> Absolutely right. And I think that comes from, at least in my experience too, you like when you first kind of uh, discovery, I'm like, I'm super excited about it. I'm going to talk about it to everyone who's around me. And then, you know, maybe it's my own enthusiasm or whatever. You kind of see the eyes start to glaze over a little bit. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll reel it in a little bit. And then now it's like, yeah, it's like kind of my, this is my hobby, you know? So, right. You, you do find people in different areas who are into it and, um, right. And sometimes it can be really surprising who it is. So, um, which is cool. Like that's, that's the appeal of it is, and, and isn't that like kind of the, you know, the flavor of decentralization is like, it'll reach whoever it reaches. Um, and the people who believe in it, and for whatever reason that is, you know, um, maybe they are looking to, you know, be first in line and, and make some money off of this, which is undeniable. Like there's there's projects out there where, you, yeah, you, you can make some real money very quickly. Um, other people, right, they're in for it for maybe more passionate reasons. Like they want to be a content creator and not, and not feel constrained by uh, some of uh some of the yeah, polls of or, or just to be an artist with like I mean essentially at this stage you're almost guaranteed to make a sale somewhere as long as you keep yeah. keep making it and keep you know tweeting it like people right. people in countries there's people making all this money in Vietnam playing Axie Infinity right right they're just yeah. earning Axie tokens or whatever I don't even really know but instead of working they can just play these games now and win these nfts and make more money that's happening all over the world yo yeah i mean if you uh according to nft twitter i mean there's millionaires being made every single day who are quitting their jobs because of nfts so beautiful uh, it's so cool and and what's cool i guess so i have um i have some artists in my life my my sister my brother-in-law they're artists and uh, public school teachers here in Chicago, art teachers, um, who make, both of them make incredible pieces of art. Uh, my sister more of uh, sculpture, but she does paintings as well. My brother-in-law, incredible painter, incredible draw, um, drawer, um, just all around artists. And I've been trying to be like, you know, you guys, like it, it is there for you. You know, like Dan, it's a, my brother-in-law is also named Dan. I say to him, you know, like, you have these really cool like skull tattoo designs um you know that put that as an avatar project do do 12 different traits with that mint that oh <laughs> well, you, you know you can make make a lot of money so it, but it, again, all, it all boils down to the marketing you know like there's totally. enough tools now to, to have these good ideas and to make it and to put it out there but 
you know, I still feel like, and this is something we, you know, try to address with Pele from the get-go, mm. is there needs to be a cleaner way to do marketing because it's still all attached to how many Instagram followers you have, how many Twitter yeah. followers you have, playing the algorithm game, which isn't to say once you learn how to play the game, you can, you can find that success. Sure. But as an artist and a musician myself that has tried over the years to play that game while still focusing on my art, it's tough. So I'm looking forward to the next phases where the artists don't have to don't have to play that algorithm game so much and they can focus on really just I mean they're already doing this but focus on building a community and that community yeah. is what sustains it. So I suppose as many tools as we can try to make it's all happening organically anyway. Like the the whole thing about Pele is you know down with Big Tube and take down Big Tube. Big Tube's taking itself out. You know, and like add the decentralized networks on top of it, you know. So it's fun that we make this little universe. But for us to say that like Pele Network is going to take down DigTube is kind of silly because it's just it's just going all out on its own. So mm -hmm. so I, I bring that up to reference like, yeah, we're still in this. We're like here with the NFTs, with these digital assets that can liberate the world and give financial freedom, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Yet our ways of communicating together are here in the censored Web 2.0 world. So we're like, Ugh. Yeah, absolutely, right. So yeah, I mean, I think that's some of the challenge too is like, and I think that goes to whether that's scalability or, or just widespread um, education and access to it. It's like, what, where, you know, that is the challenge. How do you get that word out there um, without kind of using those, uh, like web point, 2.0 uh, channels, you know, whether that's Twitter or Instagram, whatever that may be. I mean, of course, uh, there, there's word of mouth. I mean, a good idea is always going to get out there. Um, it's almost more hurdles um, these days with, with so many, you're just inundated with, you could be just absolutely inundated uh, with projects and, and, and different ideas if you're only looking for it from kind of those web, 2.0 sources right right i kind of i so, kind of yeah. feel like that analogy works for the legal side of things too like we're here in the web 3 let's make a dow like forget the world right like let's just do our thing right. and then there's these laws and regulations where it's like we still gotta play ball totally right and and i think to some extent and you mentioned it too i mean and this isn't to say like oh yeah screw the regulators screw the sec like no like their their needs you know you can't have a car without brakes. You know, you can't have a Ferrari without some brakes on there. Um, you need regulators because, unfortunately, there is some some bad actors. There is some fraud, um, and, and you do need those protections. Um, you know, I like to give the benefit of the doubt is that they're just, and especially on the federal level, just not as up to speed on the technology and and understandably so like it is there's a lot like it's sometimes you know you feel like you're you're, you're drinking water from a, a fire hose um it's a lot to take in um and i think that's why you see some of these you know wyoming for example i know i keep going back to them but you see success on kind of the state level of passing legislation that recognizes these new entities and then takes it a step further, you know, like what we were talking about, you know, this this utility exemption, recognizing that, yeah, this is not this is not a security. There are some investment like qualities 
to NFTs, to certain tokens. Um, but this is different than buying a share in ABC Corp. You know, um, having a, a token, whether you're exchanging that for utility or for a vote or for for a badge that you want to show off or, or, or you know, gives you certain access, like, th that is not the same as, like I said, as, as, as a stock certificate. Um, and, you know, I, I, I would like to think again, they're just struggling to keep up. I don't think they're nefarious and they just want to stomp it out. But on some level, maybe they are because they. It's a weird conversation, especially in 2021, like, you know, a year and some change into a pandemic and like a lot of changes going on in the world. And, you yeah. know, we witnessed with the GameStop scenario a few months ago, you know, the kind of the veil is being lifted or being revealed uh, over, totally. over some of the practices that kind of trans not even transcend I just like don't have to listen to the law I guess or something like if it's true that the whole GameStop thing is they were over they had they said they had more right. stocks than they did whatever it is I don't really understand it all I know is that that's a system that needs to just die and be done with it oh. right like you can't you can't cheat a blockchain you can't make extra coins and pretend you have them and that just seems right. like a given uh, so yeah, whatever the intentions are behind regulators and lawmakers, it's whatever. But yeah, well, I, I bring the I, I use the pandemic as an example because I think we as a whole, as individuals, as society, as normal people, are starting to see that a lot of these centralized, a lot of these centralized agencies are kind of incompetent. And yeah. like, you know, like it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on with the politicized pandemic left or right. Mm -hmm. I think the CDC has proven itself that it can't figure anything out and it doesn't. And when it can figure something out, it's not communicating it correctly. It upsets people all over the board. No, oh, it's can, and, yeah. yeah. And there's just a whole like, you know, shit show of misinformation, yeah. of corrected information. News agencies aren't required to correct themselves. After they put a clickbait headline out that makes millions of dollars, they keep all that money and then the science changes and they don't say anything right. because they won't make as much money to the demographic. Like all this stuff is just crazy. It, yeah. it, it's totally transcends this whole, all the little petty differences people have. And it transcends this, like we have this concept of having jobs and nine to five security and all that. And then here we are with NFTs and crypto and realizing, wow, we can make some pretty serious income just hanging out at home. Right. So it's right. almost like the whole status quo of society is being questioned now. And cryptocurrency is a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and yeah, I mean, and from from crypto to to kind of the work structure and, and real estate to, to even education. Um, yeah, I mean, I think those those walls are crumbling down. And right. I mean, and that's why it, it's it's a great time because. You can have this passion, you can have this belief in the ethos, and then the market is actually like creating these avenues for for us believers uh, to to get in there and you know put put our money where our mouth is and and you know if, if you got a good product, you got a good idea, you know the market will reward you, um, and I think we're seeing that time and time again, um, and it yeah it's a, it's an exciting. It's an exciting uh, community to be a part of. It's an exciting time to be here. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, 
it, it's tough. You got to take the long view with it because if you watch it day to day, you know, some days NFTs are dead and uh, crypto is a joke. And the next day it's, oh, the, the bull market is in full swing. So, you know, it, that's why it's so much easier if you really do believe in this stuff to kind of ride the wave um, and, you know, whatever financial gains you get from it, all the better. Right. Good point. Well, that to me sounds like a great stopping point. I had a list of things to talk about and we covered yeah. them all. Is there anything else yeah. you want to bring up? No, no. I, you know, again, I just uh, appreciate appreciate the opportunity uh, to chat with you on this. Um, you know, if anyone else has questions about it, uh, feel free to take a look at my website, uh, masadalaw.com. Um, happy to chat with anyone. And really, like, even if you're just in it and uh, you you want to connect and, and talk to me, I, I'd love to. NFTs, Top Shot. Uh, I think that's Twitter. one thing I didn't get to say earlier. You know, when in my mind, I was always like a lawyer. You know, that's like a whole nother, like, you know, look at me. I'm an artist, hippie guy. But then lawyers, <laughs> you know. And so, like you're saying about these decentralized networks bringing all different kinds of people together. Yeah, it's cool that yeah. we can just talk and hang out and and even collaborate on something where otherwise, you know, you're in Chicago, I'm in LA, how would we ever have connected? It's exactly, right, and right. I mean, that's, above all else, I always joke, it's like the NFTs are like the friends we made along the way, you know? Um, <laughs> and it's true, like I just have met so many great people from different walks of life. Um, and like, yeah, I mean, no one's, on some level it's cool, it's like, yeah, I'm a lawyer, you're, you're a musician, I, I you know, I know some doctors who are into it, uh, some insurance people, but it's like we say that and then it's like on to, on to the next thing. You know, we're, we're just talking about our, our projects and our community. So, um, yeah, it's like a no judgment, judgment community. I, I love it. So MasadaLaw.com. Thanks for coming on, yeah. Daniel. Love it. Thanks for having me, guys. Cool. Awesome.